Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. I'm Pete Wright, and this week it's my turn to move every character on the chessboard at the same time. (laughs) Today we're talking about Minute 83, which begins with the helicarrier tipping and ends with Thor bellowing. Back on the show, we have Mike Gravano from the Superhero Show Show and Movie of the Year. Hey, Mike. Howdy, Minuteers. Happy to be back. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Lean in. Yes. Uh, that's yes. Right. That's Say right. it once. Yeah. It's Why not? Every time now. Every time. All right. We are coming into this minute as uh, it's, I mean, we're seeing. You might the, say we're leaning um, into this minute, wouldn't you, Andy? We're leaning <laughs> Into this, you minute. might say that uh, you're really leaning into that joke. I know. Pete, I know. Fury here. is leaning into this minute. Yeah. All right. Let's. Okay. Here's a question <laughs> for both of you. The ship starts listing to the point where, like, we see the upper decks of this uh, of the helicarrier, and all of the shipping containers and everything are all sliding all over the place. Mm-hmm. In the bridge, we see everybody kind of reacting somewhat. You know, they're kind of, uh, you know, doing Star Trek acting where they're all kind of leaning Mm -hmm, as needed and everything. When we cut inside where we're not seeing through windows or anything like, for example, Black Widow, um, she is just sitting there normally. Later, we'll see fighting happening. We'll, you know, see Thor and Loki and all that sort of stuff. Nobody else is reacting to the listing of the ship. Is there, uh, like, how does that play for you? Is it something that you think is just a design of kind of cinematic storytelling where it's, it's you know, when it's the bridge, we need it to be listing because that's what they're focused on. So we'll include it and we won't have to worry about it so much in the other locations. But this is the problem. Not even everybody on the bridge is listing at all. <laughs> Sitwell is in like a rolling chair and he's just typing along just fine. And that dude's on the bridge. Wow. There's no reason. True. That is true. I, I think true. you answered your question there, Pete, with saying his name to begin that sentence. He knows how to do one thing. He said one thing. That's where his name came from. Yeah, that's right. No longer shield worker. You know how to sit well. He's yeah. a he's a low-level powered human being. I forget what they call it in the first uh, season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when suddenly there's a lot of like, they're superheroes, but they can't, they, they don't have crazy powers. Superhero-ish, right. So Adjacent. that's his. Yeah. He can sit well. I sit well. Mm. Uh, it's like we had that guest uh, a few weeks ago. I, I think it was Ryan Dalton talking about mystery men and the shuffler. There's one thing I know how to do well. It's shuffle. <laughs> That's, That's what exactly Jasper it. Sitwell says. I yes. know how to sit well. It's in the name. <laughs> okay. I want to talk about this shot of Sitwell, though, because we get a really, uh, I mean, it's it's a really interesting shot. Suddenly we jump to like a bird's eye view shot mm-hmm. um, spinning, coming down on his head as he's typing away on his computer. Again, his, uh, I, I thought all the computers just went down, but apparently backup generator, some, something is still working. There's, here. A, there's yeah, a hydro power plant under his. <laughs> yes. under his right, right, exactly. <laughs> The question, though, is what do you think of the dialogue? So we have an intercom voice kick on. It's it's credited to him or to S.H.I.E.L.D. worker. Sir, we've lost all power in engine one. We're coming down on the top of his head and his head bobbles like he's talking. But it's 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 I don't know. It doesn't necessarily sound like Sitwell's voice. And it sounds just like an 80 yard line that they threw in there 
and they said, okay, move your head like you're talking, we'll probably throw a line in there. Right. Does, is it something that you notice as you're watching this? Because I, I feel like I notice it every time, and it's always distracting. And uh, Pete said something interesting yesterday in our last episode of, well, maybe movies weren't designed to be watched minute by minute. And so, <laughs> yeah, when we're zooming by, not thinking about it at all, right? Because there's all those cinematic tricks that like are designed to just get you from one step to the next. And somebody, some producer watched this scene without any voices and were like, well, somebody should say what's going on right now. And so they're like, that guy's head bobbed funny. Use it. <laughs> Throw it in the bag. Yes. Yep. A hundred percent. It's, uh, yeah, I guess that's, that's what we get here, but it's, I don't know. It plays funny. It, uh, it's one of those things. I guess it's fine. It's fine. Even in watching just this minute and narrowing it down, that that it is a cool camera shot, but it really does. You almost get a J.J. Abrams lens flare off of the bald pate of Sitwell's head. Like, it, it really is letting you know, like, see how smooth this guy's skull is? It looks good on him. Yeah. That is an amazing thing to notice, that this was actually a showcase of yeah. Sitwell's dome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Jasper's got it. Yes. This is, again... They said, we like this uh, shield worker. His head is beautiful. Let's get him for the one shot. Yes. And by the way, you sat so well, we're going to call you sit well. <laughs> we need it's a all, name. It's all coming together from this moment right here. <laughs> Better oh than gosh, Jasper that's... Roundhead. <laughs> you know, that, was that was like the one. other option. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, hmm, could that be derogatory? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh. All right. Well, we cut from the bridge to a shot of uh, Natasha. She is still sitting in the spot where Hulk last, uh, you know, threw her, basically. He smacked her into the wall. She fell to the ground. And then before he could uh, hit her again, uh, Thor kind of intervened. And that's when the whole fight between Thor and and Hulk, uh, you know, left into other parts of the ship. She's been sitting here since then. And this is the first time we've really come back to her. And we're seeing, like, uh, I don't know, somebody who's in shock and uh, oh, yeah. you know, kind of, uh, I don't know if she has broken ribs or what, but she was just swatted by Hulk, like backhanded into a wall. I would think as a non-super that mm-hmm. there's a possibility that she does have some broken uh, bones. But I, I thought this this was an interesting way to kind of come back to her as a character in the scope of our supers and in the scope. And I, you know, I always hate thinking this way, but in the scope of the director and all the trouble that he's been in, does this end up feeling like he's thinking of her as less of a character because of like writing her this way, because she's a woman. Knowing that I, you know, used to love Whedon and have now written him off. uh, But what I do see here, I, I do think his grossness shows up in some of his projects but in this movie most of the time with natasha it feels like the stuff he did to hide how gross he was in real life and i do think her arc is one of the most important in this movie and i really i feel like this these 20 seconds are why you hire scarjo of because she is acting in a way that a lot of other actors in this movie maybe can't and how how shook and determined like you can see all these thoughts go through her head like i might have ribs broken I just fought a giant troll that shouldn't exist. Uh, I'm used to really just like, you know, black wet works, black ops killing uh, dignitaries. And now this is my life. And then her like, I heard the message. I'm going to go. And this is when later in the movie, not in one of our minutes, Hawkeye's like, how, what are you doing? 
Like you were a spy and now you're saying we should go to war. This is not who you are. And I feel like this is that moment of her shifting. And like she is the one, she is one of the ones, it's like her and Stark who saved the day at the very end of the movie, right? And so I feel like this is her her push towards that. Well, and some of it comes because it's Barton, right? Like I, right. I don't know. Uh, it, it's interesting, I guess, because she had, every time there's a chance to bring Barton up, up to this point, she's always bringing him up. She, we see her go to one of the uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. workers' computers to look him up and, and see what their face tracker is, if they have found him yet. And she brings him up a number of times because he is so important to her in her life for a number of reasons. Right. And I wonder if... Uh, you know, knowing that so many things are going on on the ship, she hasn't gotten up. I'm, I'm assuming there have been other calls from Fury up to this point. But now that it is specifically Barton, this is the one thing that kind of snaps her out of this mm. and puts her into this mental space where it's like, this is mine. I have to I have to confront him. Right. It cuts through the, sh- the shock of being hulked. Just because she, I, you know, you have to imagine there's that protective vibe, too, that she's characterizing. Like, I don't want anybody else to get him because who knows what they'll do. Right. She's probably, of all of them, the one person who, one, could confront him and not get hit by an arrow. Mm-hmm. And two, could confront him and be able to actually take him down. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so uh, in a way where, you know, they could potentially get him into a medical bay. Because, I mean, they don't know. Or, or certainly point, who cares enough to do that. Right. Yeah. Great. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's I mean, it's an interesting beat that we have here. And actually, to your point, uh, Mike, the way that Scarlett responds, like the tone of her voice, she really sounds distressed, like it really carries the weight of of her really kind of doing her all in this moment, kind of acting somebody who has been um, injured and is in shock, but is in a position now where she wants to get back into the fray. And and what's fun in zooming in on these little moments is, look, I love, I'm a Marvel, you know, defender. I love the franchise, but you don't go there for like the best acting in the world. And like, so it's nice when you're like, holy, you, you are showing us all of your training and all of your years of experience in this 15 seconds. And yeah, it just, it really struck me. It, it, st- it stands out. And I think she's probably the most talented of all the cast. Just pound for pound acting wise. Pound pound for pound, she's also not a very big person. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> how many how many Stellan Skarsgards is she though? If we're going if we're going to judge acting performance by weight, Scarlett Johansson <laughs> is a high value commodity in Hollywood. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the weirdest metric. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we did it, but now we have we measure people in dis- in height and volume in terms of one or scars guard, and now we're measuring talent by weight. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, okay, so this sets Natasha off, and now she's gonna head off and go track down Barton. And that puts us uh, to follow Iron Man. This, I mean, we're in this section of the film, which is uh, we're getting a lot of intercutting between all of these moments. And this is, I mean, I suppose you could say the idea of a team film. You have all these different team members doing different things, and we're kind of watching them, and we're intercutting to see, okay, what's this person doing? What's that person doing? How are they all working together in different ways to kind of stop the helicarrier attack? And we're going to see very much a similar sort of thing later in the film as they are all uh, in New York battling to stop the Chitauri. And so this is, you know, kind of a prelude to that, I guess you could say. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's such a it's such a, you know, masterclass of editing, of pacing, 
of like here here like don't forget about this person and every every little scene has that momentum that keeps it going and earlier in the movie it would they'd be literally running into each other or trying to hit each other and so it is that step between we're not quite a team yet but here's a step towards it yeah at least we're moving in the same direction exactly yeah yes uh and 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 this the 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 ripples throughout the whole mcu are so interesting and like looking at what Fiji and company like held on to and Stark being the guy who wouldn't ever sacrifice himself. Like early on him and Cap are going out and he's like, you're, you're never going to uh, lay on the barbed wire and let people crawl over. You're not the guy who makes a self-sacrifice play. And like, this is the step towards that of like Tony Stark of the first two Iron Mans would not fly in the middle of a giant fan that will turn into a blender soon. Yes. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's a that's a good point because I mean, yeah, he is the person here who says I I would just cut the wire. I wouldn't mm-hmm. lay on the wire. I would just cut the wire. And so he's always looking for those shortcuts. And so he's certainly learning a lot of lessons over the course of this film and the franchise by the time we get to the end. But but here, yeah, he is this person who's just like the only solution. And I suppose you could say he's thinking outside of the box. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I have to get into the fan and push the blade to get this thing up and running. I mean, it seems like such a bad idea to do this. Yeah, how do you not have like a little like drone that shoots out of your wrist that like has a rocket on it? That (laughs) (laughs) you know, I so I was surfing YouTube because uh, as you do, and as we were thinking about these minutes, I can't believe it's taken me this long to come to this bit of anxiety about Iron Man in the suit. But the sun is shining, and I think the YouTube algorithm is feeding me more summertime things. And I got into a short of a guy who you know those things where you strap the water jet boots to your Mm -hmm. ankles and you yeah yeah. And this guy was trying it for the first time and he's in the water and he gets out of the water and then his legs come apart and the jets just go and he split, <laughs> he does the splits ooh, immediately ooh, ooh. and falls back into the water. And you can just hear hip flexors ripping. And I now, <laughs> I look at this minute when Tony goes max thrust and you see the jets get brighter. I'm like, why don't his legs just split apart right. and flay him down the middle? Yeah, it's it's hard harder to watch now after that ouch that is a gruesome take on iron man yeah (laughs) sorry really is you really got to be careful i I think he's probably learned some valuable lessons early on at least i'd like to think so i think he did an iron man one like really when we did iron man one minute by minute i feel like that's when the youtube algorithm should have got me because Mm. there i am watching clip after clip of him in the, just the boots without any of the suit support. Like, he is only able to do this move because he fell on his, like, Porsche's Ferrari, whatever, in, in the garage, and his legs flew apart. So, lesson learned. Yeah, there you go. Sorry for that little Ugh, physiological yeah. distraction. <laughs> did, speaking of distractions, did it strike you guys as odd as, so he starts pushing the fan and, uh, the fan and the wall are touching and parts of the fan are falling off. I'm like, who, yeah. who was the engineer who did not design this fan to actually fit? Yeah. How it does it not cold. fit? Because there's no, there's no sign that the other three engines have constant sparks and smoke coming out from just friction. Like something is still broken. And I feel like Tony starts to push a wee bit prematurely. Yes, on this, like he she, he has more laser arming to do to to cut stuff <laughs> yeah. because he's not he is incomplete. That that was my note, and it's just like I feel like 
there's so much stuff still scraping and breaking as he does this. I mean, we had, I mean, obviously there was an explosion that damaged this. So I'm guessing there are still just a lot of pieces that are just not where they're supposed to be. But I'm like, I, I feel like he probably should have been doing more laser work. And I'm guessing the only reason he's not, the only reason that he's in here now pushing is because engine one just went out mm. and he's realized now I can't, I, I have to get this thing spinning and it's just going to have to spark and pieces are going to have to just rip off because otherwise this whole thing is going to plummet. Yeah, I can see that, that, that right now this is not the time for a scalpel. Yeah. This is, we are in buzzsaw mode. This is nothing is surgical anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where he is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to come up with all these reasons for this stuff it's like uh, who really knows who really knows eggs get broken exactly um we do see that the altimeter as we as we see his hud they are uh just uh above fifteen thousand feet at the point we see this so again they're at the point where you know, maybe this is about where somebody could actually start, like, if they landed a Quinjet, for example, on the helicarrier, somebody could get out and walk and breathe. Mm-hmm. And it, it's hard to breathe, but they could probably breathe. So, again, the fact that Clint and his team did that earlier, and they were obviously much higher than this, does <laughs> call into question the fact that none of them had face masks. And somehow they all managed to just walk on it instead of getting blown off immediately. But they were mind controlled. They were mind controlled into ignoring the fact that there was zero oxygen. <laughs> just, they're just they're mind controlled, uh, holding their breath until yes. they get inside. Yes. Well, Loki <laughs> and his amazing mind control does all sorts of things. It's extraordinary. It really is. It really is. Uh, we're going to see more of Iron Man as he continues working on getting this thing spinning over the coming minutes because it, it takes a little bit to kind of get this thing going. It's it's slow going at first. Um, but this uh, this takes us to uh, Steve again. We actually get to come back to Steve. And again, he is uh, shooting at this mercenary and continues to miss. And again, Mike, to your point, I just have to go with the fact that he just doesn't want to uh, to take a kill shot. It's not in his nature to do so. No, he only kills with gravity. He does not kill <laughs> with bullets. Or blue pew-pew guns. He'll, or, he'll yeah. use those. Oh, yeah. Because who knows? Yeah. Do those even kill? We don't know. I'll use those. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I do like he fully, at the, this is the minute he, uh, Chris Evans fully knows how to hold a rifle now. Uh, it, it's in the right pocket. Uh, he looks good. I like his form. And then he, last episode we talked about, is he impervious to bullets? Maybe he dodged all the bullets, but he is not impervious to gravity. His his greatest weapon is also his greatest weakness. He can dodge all the bullets <laughs> and not get hit, but then he's like, oh no, I might fall. And it's just like <laughs> like a kid on a skateboard who lost his skateboard dragging after a car is just in the yes. wind. Mm-hmm. It's a great moment, though. I, I love that this is what happens to Captain America is that he, he steps on a broken piece of, uh, of uh, I don't know, of, like a grill. Yeah. And it's great. It's part the of the whole floor. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the whole thing goes off and he's lucky that there is a loose cable there. Otherwise he would be joining his friend down there. <laughs> um, although this is another question um, again for Captain America, how could, how far can he fall? We obviously see him, in his next film, leaping off of a plane, no parachute, and uh, and doing okay with like like landing in the ocean and stuff. But um, like, 
can he take big falls? I think in between these two movies, Steve just jumps from first one story, and then he goes up to two stories, and he you just keeps jumping, and he's like, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. He just cannot find his limit. Wow. Do, is there, do we ever get any sense in the Cap comics? Do, does he ever test his jump? No, nah, I mean, I think we'd have to go so far back to, to like, maybe timely comics, to, like, the era where I have skimmed. But, I no, I don't know. And, you know, at this point, over the 80, 90 years, everybody's power sets have grown and changed so much that it's just like, he's not Superman, but it does feel like sometimes, they're like, yeah, he can't fly, but come on, he's Superman. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's the Jessica Jones conundrum, right? Like, she right. can't fly, but man, can she jump, and mm-hmm. so she can pretty much fly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, and that's that's pretty much what we have with him. But again, it goes to our issue that we had, or the conversation we had yesterday about superheroes and this idea that, you know, they have to kind of whittle away some powers from some of them because they can't all be the same right and so i'd like to think that if he fell that it would be something that uh like there is a limit i just i feel like maybe fifteen thousand feet you know that might be that might be a little too high for him right i will buy that thor and hulk survive that yes but he is not thor and hulk okay yeah thor survives kind of because he tosses Mjolnir at the last minute. But I right. do wonder if he was in that cell, if he would actually have survived. That's true. Like, I think because the, the force of the Earth and the tight, yeah, he would have, like, smashing a fly between your hands. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like it's a little harder. Like, I mean, he it's still, I mean, he does kind of a skimming thing across the field. Uh, I, I still would imagine that he's hurt a little bit, although he seems fine. Uh, but still, it's it's just one of these things where um, superheroes manage to get out of scrapes as needed sometimes. So let me just say, I have, over time, been uh, called upon to read the work of Rhett Allen, who is an associate professor of physics at Southeastern Louisiana University and is also a nerd and writes the sci- one of the science columns for Wired and wrote an extensive mathematical analysis of just how fast cap hit the water and ha- could in in the uh, last movie and he's talking about how or in the next movie from in where there, we are yeah, <laughs> we're weird mc relativists <laughs> and uh and could he you know how far could he jump without a parachute and there's so y- you guys so much math so much math on this thing <laughs> but uh he would be hitting at uh, 67.2 meters per second, and it's extraordinary. So looking at the motion during the first 0.01 seconds, cap starts with a speed of 67.2 meters per second and ends with a speed of 34.2 meters per second using a time interval of 0.01 seconds. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. They pretty much go back to (laughs) 700 feet. That's how far he could really jump and survive, and that's roughly what he did in the uh the like 15 story fall uh off of the building when he jumped out of the building that was about like anything more than that and probably would have done some significant damage to cap and that that was 787 feet damn um huh. I like that. i'll yeah. take that interesting but the water it's it, the water is more form than than impact because he was in great form hitting the water and so he could he could absorb more of the impact from 
10,000 feet or whatever he was. There's still so much, only so much form that you can have because water, when you're going that fast, is pretty solid. Like it, it yes. acts as a solid. And it's like, you know, this is why morbid conversation, but like, you know, suicides off of bridges, it's like, it's usually the impact on the water right. that like breaks, breaks all your bones. And then you end up drowning because you're, you know, you're in so much pain and, uh, and all that. But Cap, with his ability not doing a belly flop on the ocean from 10,000 feet, was able to survive, is what we're saying. Just a master diver. Could Speaking have been in the, of the blue goo. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he, just, he just cuts right into that water. <laughs> wow. It's the arm hair. Again, it's yes, arm no, hair. It's, it's a protective, protective <laughs> super arm hair. All right. Well, we leave Steve dangling and we, we find Thor, who's finally gotten up off the floor. Last time we saw Thor was when we had our pilot shooting at Hulk and then Hulk jumps out the window and we see Thor as the pilot is shooting, uh, like roll out of the way to dodge the bullets. That's the last time we've seen him. And now we've seen what he's been doing. I guess he finally got up and he's been running through the halls trying to get to the detention center. I'm assuming that he's heard some calls over the intercom that Barton is heading for detention. And so he's also heading there because, hey, he knows who's in detention. We we come into the moment just as he runs into detention. He sees Loki. The door is opening and Loki is stepping out. And we cut on Thor as he starts bellowing, no! <laughs> and that's where, that's where our minute ends. Sometimes they end really well. Sometimes it's like right in the middle of a great yeah. bellow. I think we've got we've had an incredible season so far. I have to say the cutoffs have been perfect. These are practically short films. We've had a lot of great ones for sure. Well, uh, so I don't know. I mean, thoughts on Thor? Any thoughts on Thor? Do we want to save our conversation about him for tomorrow? He probably makes more sense tomorrow, though. Good run. Great yeah. run form. Yeah, let's let's talk about him tomorrow. So, uh, well, that puts us at the end of this episode. Uh, Mike, thanks again so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun. Tell everybody again uh, about your shows, where they can tune in. Of course, uh, head over to wherever you get your podcasts. I like Overcast. Uh, yes. S- screw Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Overcast rules. You can make playlists. Uh, the Superhero Show Show, uh, if you like comic books, which if you're listening to this, I assume you do. Uh, me and my compatriots watch every single live-action TV show based on comics every single week. Uh, there's some good stuff. There's a lot of not good stuff. It's it's kind of a desolate time right now. Uh, but hopefully it will get better soon. Uh, and then Movie of the Year. Right now we're going through 2002. Each season, we pick a year. We build a giant bracket and then whittle it down to the actual movies we will watch and rank. And so we've been working our way through that. And it is very close to ending, uh, which is nice because we've been in 2002 since I think last September. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Uh, We'll have the links in the show notes so everyone you can check out those. Just click on them in your podcatcher. Otherwise, if you're not seeing them there, just head to our website, marvelmovieminute.com, and you can get them right there. That's it for today. We'll be back with Mike again one last time this week uh, tomorrow for Minute 84. So, Pete, thanks as always. It's here, you guys. It's here. Hawkeye and Black Widow gonna tussle. Oh, yes, they are. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm 
If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show.